Good morning. My name is Casey Harris, and I, I know a lot of you by face, um, but I'd love to meet you all. Uh, Michael is with a, a few other people from New Heights and from the community, and they're at the coast doing a kind of build slash fish trip. I think they helped a lady who's elderly. Um, they tore down the deck, rebuilt it, and redid a lot of yard work for her. And I think apparently my husband's there too. She, he said that her neighbor came over and was weeping, and they were just so blessed by it. So that's pretty cool. And then they're fishing right now. So they're, uh, they're worshiping that way. Um, I want to take a minute just to ask you a question and uh, think about it in your, in your heart. Talk about it with the Lord in your mind. And, um, and maybe you already know, but the, it's simple. And it's just, what is the Lord saying to you this morning? What has he already been talking to you about? Maybe it was when you woke up this morning. Maybe it was in your dreams last night. Maybe it's the thing you can't get your mind off of and you're thinking, oh gosh, I need to pull myself into worship. I'm here. I'm coming to church. I need to, to get here. But it's this thing that's on your mind. Um, I think as I journey with the Lord, he's really taught me to pay attention to that thing, even if I think it's not the thing I'm supposed to be thinking about. Does that make sense? Because he's talking to us all the time, and he, he so wants to join us in life. He wants worship, and this place that Daryl just prayed, this place that we are queens and kings, that we're heirs to the throne— He wants that reality to be our life. So if that's the case, and if the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, lives in us, he's constantly speaking to us. And I think one of the big attacks that we all get is this idea that we can't hear him. Or that we have to get to a certain place to hear him. Oh, I need to come, and I need to worship and sing, and get my heart right. And um, So my question is, what has he already been talking to you about? Because he's probably in that conversation that's going on in your head. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of great teaching out there. Something I like to always say when, when I get the opportunity to, to share is if you want to check out on me and talk with him right now, please do that. Because as a body of Christ, we come and I think sometimes we come and we do this tradition thing where we sing or we do this and now it's time to listen to the speaker. And there's a lot of great speakers you can listen to. But the most important thing right now is that your heart knows the voice of its shepherd, that you, his sheep, knows that he is speaking to you, that he loves you, that he wants to do something in you, and he very well may use something I say, or maybe it's some lyric that's running through your head right now, but just dialogue with him. Um, And I I say that because I'd, I'd like to teach a little bit on worship and what worship is through the passage that we're studying. And the passage is Matthew 15, where... As Michael likes to remind everybody, still in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. And I'm going to read it as it's written. This is the English Standard Version. And then I'm going to do a little bit in the Greek, because I think when you look at the Greek words, you, you, you see that our translation maybe leaves out a bit. And then um, I'm going to talk about worship. Okay, Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only 
to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Um, If you'd picked a scripture that I did not want to talk about, this would be one of them in scripture. (laughs) Um, But I've I've loved getting to study it a little bit because I don't feel that way anymore. But I'd I'd always just kind of glazed over when I read this about the dog scraps. He's like kind of insulting this woman saying, I'm called to the house of Israel. You're... And she she kind of says, yeah, but even the dogs get the scraps. But when you look at it, um, it's not quite as um, insulting as it might sound. So I want to look at some of the Greek words. Um, The first thing is just a little history. What happens right before this that Matthew tells us about is that Jesus is in a dialogue with the Pharisees about inner purity. And if you were here last week, Michael did a great job of talking about how um, it's the intent of the heart that God looks at. And the Pharisees are trying to get Jesus on these technicalities of the law. They're saying, you know, why don't your disciples wash their hands before this happens? And, and ultimately he says, you know, the kingdom of heaven and purity is not something that happens from the outside in. It's from the inside out. He says, you know, not washing your hands is not going to make you impure. What makes you impure is the things of the heart. And so um, his, his disciples, I mean, his, uh, his disciples, yeah, they come to him and they say, I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, Matthew 15, verse 12. They come to him and they say, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? So I want to remember that from last week about Jesus really offending the Pharisees. And then I want to look at this woman. So after he's had this discussion with the Pharisees, this is the only time in the New Testament where we're talking about Jesus that it's recorded that he left Israel. He went north. And so he, he really spent a t- most of his time in this like 10 mi- square mile by the Sea of Galilee. Every now and then he went outside of that like to go to Jerusalem, to, the, to go to the temple. But he only one time left Israel and it was this time and if you read this same story in Mark 7 because it's Mark tells us about it too it gives a little more insight it says that he wanted to go rest he wanted to get away so he takes his disciples and they go north and they stay in a home Mark 7 says and they don't want to be found out but it says that this woman had heard of Jesus so she comes to him and immediately she calls him Lord and the word for Lord is uh, Kyrios and I, I'm going to do a bunch of Greek. Please don't glaze out on me, but listen to the, the meaning in the Greek because it's really cool. The, the meaning is, to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, a title of honor expresses of, expressive of respect and reverence with, a, with which servants greet their master. So she comes to him, and the first thing she says to him is, you're the one I belong to. She says, Lord. So unlike the Pharisees, um, they, they don't really take that step to call him Lord. They're dialoguing with him. They're interacting with him. And they're doing very religious things. But they're not declaring that he's their Lord by any means. They're, they're, they're curious, though, about his teaching. So she comes to him. And she says that her daughter is um, grievously, one version says, or cruelly, another version says, um, demon-possessed. And so first that word, um, 
grievously is kakos, and that means miserably, to be ill, wrongly, improperly. Um, The root talks about that it comes from a bad nature, an ill spirit. So we don't know if she was going crazy, if she was um, hurting herself, or if she was very sick, possibly, because that word can mean that too. And then it says demon-possessed. And in our um, English translation, when we talk about the demonized or demon-possessed, it can be kind of the scary, like, all these movies come to your mind. And um, it's really unfortunate because even the word, there's not really a word demon-possessed in Scripture. The word is, and it's long, so I might get it wrong, but diamonizamai. Diamonizamai. Yes. And it means to be under the influence of a lesser spirit. So I love that because if I think about my life, I lo- my, in my faith and through my relationship with Jesus, I, 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 like this woman, want to come and say, Lord, you are my master. I belong to you. I come under your influence. But a lot of times the reality is that I'm under the influence of much lesser spirits. Okay, so think about that. Um, and then when we go forward and Jesus, I'm going to read this again. Jesus says... Oh, the disciples are the first one that see her, and they say, send this woman away, is what a lot of the scriptures say. But the word actually doesn't mean that. The word send away that our English says is one word in Greek, and it's apoluo. And apoluo usually means to set free, to let go, dismiss, detain no more, free, release, loose the captive's bonds, to send oneself away or depart. So it does mean depart, but that's the, it's usually translated release. And, you know, as I was thinking about it, Jesus has already sent these disciples out before. He sent 72 out. We studied this in Matthew and said, go, heal the sick, preach that the kingdom of heaven is near, um, release people from demons. And they came back and they said, Lord, even the demons um, obeyed us in your name. And so these disciples that are with him, it's not a weird thing that somebody would come and say, free my daughter who's, who's under the influence of a lesser spirit. Um, so I wonder if maybe the disciples, and it says also the word, um, when she was crying out, it's clear in the Greek that it was annoying the disciples. Like she was behind them and she was like crying for him to help her. And the disciples are almost like, okay, just set her free. And so that we can rest. And maybe they're saying, send her away, but either way, they're like, let's just get this, this going so we can rest. So Jesus doesn't respond to the woman. He responds to the disciples. And he says, I was sent not to, the, or not to this group, but to the house of Israel, to God's lost sheep. And the word, I was sent, we just looked at the word send away, which really in the Greek could mean release, like release this woman. Let, do what she's asking so she can go away. We can rest. Um, then Jesus says, I was sent. So I think he's probably talking to his disciples about this idea of being sent. And he said, and the the word there is apostello. And it's a real similar word to the other one. And it means to order one to go to a place appointed. A person sent with a commission or things intended. The place of sending is specified. So it's almost like he's telling his disciples. Let me get a drink. 
Kevin, can I get some more water? Thank you so much. Um, So it's almost like he's telling his disciples, I was commissioned and appointed by, by my father for a very specific thing. And the disciples knew it was to come and get away from the crowds and to rest. So then when he turns and says to the woman, I was sent first to the house of Israel, what he's probably doing is saying, we're here to rest and it's important that I do the thing that the father has assigned me to do. And there's a scripture that I love that Jesus talks about that he doesn't do anything. He doesn't see his father in heaven doing or, or he doesn't say anything that he hasn't heard his father saying. And, and we are to live like Christ. So Jesus had this intimacy with his father where in the day to day when he's walking, when he's preaching, when he's resting, he's not going to go and do the thing that he doesn't see his father doing. So he's constantly his thought life is constantly in communion with what the father is doing. And, and so right now the father said, go and rest. And that's what he was doing. And so this woman doesn't take offense. Um, the word, when she refers to herself as dog or when, when he, she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get the scraps from the children for the, from the, when the children eat at the table, she's almost, she uses that in terms of herself to say, um, I understand that you came to rest and that these guys are your first priority. But even, even she, she pushes in with this tenacity and kind of says, but even the little puppy dogs at the dinner table and the word used for dog is little puppy dog, not like a dirty dog. There are two different words there. So it's almost this endearing, this little dog. Um, and it's, it's very prophetic too, because she's, she, it's almost as if she gets what the disciples don't get. And that is that Jesus came to the house of Israel, he was appointed to the house of Israel to, to impart the kingdom to them, to set them free so that they could go and set others free. And the disciples, I think, are the ones that could have offended this woman by saying, like, okay, just move on. But Jesus takes the time to let her speak with him, and she says, um, she, she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. And Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children, throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And then Jesus says, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. And one little thing I'd like to make a point about is that um, the scrap from the table is her daughter being healed of whatever was grievously vexing her. And I love that because sometimes we see those things that are grievously vexing us, perhaps things that feel like a spirit that we are under that is not of the Lord, perhaps a a real bad illness, perhaps a sin pattern, an addiction. Those things feel like these huge things. And what I love is that that healing was a scrap from the master's table. So how much more? Do we, who are invited to the master's table, to eat from his table, to feast with him, how rich is that food if a scrap is a healing, a major healing, a vicarious healing? The girl's not even there. Um, okay, so the word I really like to look at, and now we'll get to what I really want to say, is um, in verse 25. It says, but she came and worshipped him. And this was, she came and worshipped him right after he said, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Um, that word... Worship is proskuneo, and it means to kiss the hand in token of reference, to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound 
reverence. It's used to show homage to men or women of superior rank. So in general, they would have used that word if they're talking about the high priest, God, Jesus, other heavenly beings. And then it's also used in reference to demons. So it's interesting that this is something it's it's it's. It's this idea of of the dog coming and kissing and licking the master's hand. The root of this actually comes from the same word that they use for dog. So he uses the word little dog, and the word worship is, is full of this image. The root word of worship is the dog coming to lick the master's hand. So in her worship, it's almost as if she is saying, you know, I am the little dog, but I come and I and I... I bow to you. I recognize your authority and I submit me to your lordship, to your authority. The Pharisees, they came to Jesus too. They had a dialogue with Jesus. Jesus bantered back and forth with them, just like the woman. But the difference is, the, in that place of talking with Jesus, the Pharisees took offense. In this place where the woman comes and meets with Jesus, she worships. She calls him Lord. And he hasn't promised to heal. He actually ignored her and then said something that could have been offensive. And has, her, the disciples certainly could have offended her. Um, so my, my question for us in looking at this is when we come to worship, do we have any offenses that perhaps are keeping us from, from that place where we want to, to, to look into his face and kiss his face like a little dog would come and lick a master's hand you know because you know i'll hear worship pastors say um we better get used to worshiping because we're going to do it for the rest of eternity and for me it is this i a long time i was like oh gosh am i going to enjoy that because i really i don't know that i'd ever enjoyed worship because i think i had a lot of offenses a lot of things in my heart where i'd taken offense to god i wouldn't have told you that I still would have come in here. I still would have sung the song. But in my heart, there were places that had been really hurt and disappointed in God. And so, and also just areas where I thought my life should look like this and this is how it looks. So I would come in here and maybe like the Pharisees, try to put on a good show, try to get get myself up for it. But the reality is I was probably a lot more like those Pharisees who took an offense. With Jesus, and it, and it kept them one from experiencing any sort of healing or experiencing His kingdom in their life right then. But it kept them from recognizing Him for who He was. So it kept them from worship. So as worshipers, I think a really great question to ask, and it is a form of worship to do this because worship is believing that He speaks to us, saying that we want to hear from You, Lord, and 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 really. Like, like she did, bowing before him. And we can do that in our spirit all day long. So as I'm, I'm driving in the car, I may not be worshiping like I am here, but if I understand that he really wants to talk with me, and I, I say, I don't really want to be controlled by a spirit of worry. I don't want to be concerned about what the future holds, even though my mind may be going there. But instead, Lord, I, I bow to you. You are the Lord of my life in this situation, so talk to me about this. And this may look different than I thought it should look, but I'm not going to take offense. And if you even need to forgive God for something, no, technically he didn't do anything to you. But sometimes we realize we're holding things against him. And so we, we say, okay, I thought this was going to look this way. Turned out this way. And really, deep down this hurt. And I took offense at you. And what offense does is it makes us turn around the other way. 
So we may come here and worship and face him, but in our hearts, something in them turns the other way and is not facing him. So, like this woman, I guess my encouragement to us, excuse me one more time, I lost my voice for five days straight, and it's just come back, and my mouth is really dry. Um, As we sing this next worship song, we're just going to worship to end. And like they say every week, you're welcome to leave. Um, Please do leave quietly and talk in the foyer so that we can worship also in here. And in that place of worship, I don't mean come and worship, like put your hands in the air. If you want to, great. But come and turn towards him. Come and look and see if there's any offense, if there's anything that you need to let go. Um, That word offense is really cool too. It means... Um, scandalizo, and it's to put a stumbling block or an impediment in the way upon which someone could trip and fall. And um, listen to this. It says, to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. And I think when we take offense towards other people, towards God, we do what, what Daryl was talking about earlier. We make a judgment. We put ourselves in the place of judge and we say, this is good, this is bad, this is lovely, this is not. And there's only one judge, it's him. And when he, that's so freeing for us. We don't have to be the judge, he's it. And we also don't need to judge him. Um, To cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey. And so if there's anything in you that has felt like a little bit like you turned the other way, like that you might feel that tension of distrust with the Lord or maybe even distrust with yourself, The thing that I feel like I want to close with as we go into a time of worship is that in the same way that offense keeps us from worshiping, the Lord wants us to know that he is not offended by us. And I think a lot of times we're offended at ourselves. We can come in here and say, who am I to worship? Who am I to turn towards the Lord and believe that he actually might speak to me? And the Lord says, you are my beloved. You are, you are the reason that I came. Jesus responds to this woman with, with healing, with, with a response of great is your faith. Because she had the audacity to press in and to argue with him and worship him. She had the audacity to bear her heart before him. And um, there's, there's a, a scripture in Romans 8. And if you have time, go read it later. But it talks about how all of creation is waiting in eager expectation for the sons and daughters of, of God to know who they are. And you are the sons and daughters of God. And if there's any little offense that's really a trap in your life, talk to him about it. That's worship. If you feel like there's no offense or maybe there's an offense with a neighbor, talk to him about it. And then maybe talk to them about it. If you feel like you're the one doing the offending, like maybe you've offended God. He, he actually already dealt with all of that. He came and he took all the offenses, every single offense that we've all done. He took it on himself at the cross. Jesus, Jesus became the one that was, God was offended at. And God's wrath was poured out on him and God's wrath was completely satisfied so that you would never offend God again. And so um, for me, that I kind of have to go through the motion of the day of Um, I know that in my head, but in my heart, a lot of times I think I've offended God. And the reality is I haven't. And Jesus, it's like Jesus, when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. So in this moment where we worship, take a minute to just be still in your heart 
and talk to Jesus about these things, believing that he's not offended by you, believing that he doesn't hold back his voice from you, and believing that he wants to to allow you to worship him freely because in that place, when we worship him, he he just pours right back on us because there's nothing holding us back from him. There's no mental block, no offense that holds us back. Uh, Let me pray, and then we'll go into worship. Lord, we love you, and um, we just confess that a lot of times we do think we just need to come and go through the motions. And our tendency is probably far more to be pharisaical than like this woman who pushed in with this raw faith. So, Lord, we just ask you to come and and blow new faith into us, Lord. Come, and um, if there's any offenses, Lord, that you would just push them to the side, Lord, that we would lay them down and that we would, like this woman, bow and say, Lord, heal. Lord, I'm, my daughter's broken and I know that you heal. I know, I know who you are. You're the one sent by God to bring, to bring life. And, and so, Father, we just say that we want more of that faith that pushes into you and doesn't take offense and turn away because you give us a choice. So, Lord, in this moment, we choose to to draw near. We choose to turn toward you, turn our eyes towards you, the eyes of our heart and our thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue.